let's do that unto Jesus right now. Amen. Come on, let's direct that praise, that honor unto Jesus right now. Lord, we worship you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We honor you. You are good to us. You're mighty to us. There's nothing and no one like you. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated just for a moment before we go any further. Amen. What a uh, wonderful presence of the Lord we feel here in this place. And I'm thankful that I can come to the house of the Lord and feel just a little bit of joy on a Tuesday night. Amen. A little bit of peace, a little bit of positivity. Amen. As Pastor Mayo mentioned, in a world that is full, sadly, of great negativity. And uh, like your pastor mentioned, I just can't handle too much of the talk radio these days either. Amen. So uh, if you notice your spirit is being affected by it, I echo your pastor's sentiments and would suggest just turning it off. Amen. <laughs> because God's got his own newsreel and it's different from the world's newsreel. Amen. And while the rest of the world was talking about bad things that were happening, amen, Heaven's Report on Sunday said that person got the Holy Ghost. That person repented. That person at the daughter work was touched of God. Heaven's got an entirely different newsreel, amen. Sometimes we've just got to tune in to what Heaven is saying more than what the world is saying. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, hallelujah, I feel a preach already, amen. There's, a, there's just a spirit of liberty in this church that's always here, and I'm so thankful to uh, to feel that. And I do want to turn to the word of the Lord. We're going to turn to the book of uh, Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. Amen. And um, while you're turning there, just again, so glad to be here. So appreciative of your pastor and your leadership team and all of you. My wife and I are so thankful for this great Apostolic Church in Spokane, Washington. Amen. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 says, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not for you to know. Then he continues in verse 8 and says, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Amen. What I want to talk about tonight with the help of the Lord is just going to take my title from what Jesus said. It's not for you to know. It's not for you to know. Before you're seated, why don't you put down your Bibles and why don't you put your hands together one time for a great big praise unto Jesus before you're seated. Come on, I believe the Lord wants to speak to us tonight. I believe that God wants to give us strength, fresh vision, and revelation tonight. Jesus, we praise you. We thank you for what you've done already and what you're going to do. We pray that thy kingdom come, thy will be done in Spokane as it is in heaven. We give you praise and thanks for everything that you're going to do tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, we praise you, Lord. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not for you to know. 
Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. In the current age that we live in, an age of unprecedented access to information, nobody wants to hear a statement like, it's not for you to know. In fact, it seems that there is very little we don't know these days. Thanks to the internet and companies like Amazon, Facebook, and Google, just to name a few. We have access to so much information that sociologists refer to the age we are living in as the information age. And it's easy to understand why. Today, if you have a question, you rarely have to wait on an answer, thanks to Google and the web. Google now processes over 7 to 10 billion search queries a day worldwide. And as of January 2019, there were over 1.94 billion websites, almost 2 billion websites on the Internet. These days, if you want to know why the sky is blue, why water is wet, or whether or not it's safe for your dog to eat chocolate, you can just ask Google. Because there is so much we can know, and it is truly an amazing age that we live in. However, there are some problems with the age we live in. The innovators that brought us into this age operated under the assumption that if we know everything, then we can do anything. They assumed that the answer to all of our problems was basically a lack of information. And yet the world is more informed and more dysfunctional at the same time. Our fundamental needs and problems still exist. And while the technology and information we possess is a great privilege, it does not solve many of our basic human needs and desires. One example is this. Vivek Murthy, the U.S. Surgeon General during the Obama administration, was asked during an interview, what is the most prevalent disease in America? Is it heart disease? Is it obesity or diabetes? And Murthy responded and said, no, it's none of these. The most prevalent disease we currently face is the disease of isolation. He said the quick and massive invent of technology has led to widespread loneliness and isolation. We are more connected and yet more disconnected than ever before. Now this is just one problem out of many with the information age we live in. And time does not permit us to discuss how our brains are being reshaped or how we cannot possibly process all the information we have access to and how the information can even distract us from our most important human needs and values. Amen. What is talk radio even in the news but a constant stream of information, sometimes useless, sometimes useful. Amen. But there's a lesson here for the church. While I am grateful in many ways for the widespread access we have to information, and I'm certainly not promoting ignorance, one thing is true that we can all agree on. Information will not solve all of our problems. As we can see, knowing all the answers just is not cutting it. And we as the church need to take note of this. When we mistakenly believe that everything in our lives would be better off if only God would give us the information that we want, then we need to think again. 
We should not assume that if only we knew the answers we wanted, we would have total peace. We should not assume that the only path to peace is answers or information, rather. We should not assume that God is somehow in the wrong if he does not speak the answers that we are wanting or looking for. We all want answers. We crave them. Amen. But there has to come a point in every Christian's life where we have to be okay sometimes, at least in some seasons, with not knowing every little detail and not knowing every answer. There has to come a point where we trust in the answer more than we trust in any other answer. There has to come a point where we say, I may not know all the details. I may not know how. I may not know why. There's a lot that I may not know. But there is one thing that I do know and his name is Jesus Christ. There is an answer that is above every other answer and his name is Jesus Christ. There is knowledge that is above any other earthly knowledge and that knowledge is the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I may not have everything figured out in my life that I want to have figured out but I know one thing, his name is Jesus Christ. He's my God, he's my Lord and he's going to take care of me. Hallelujah, somebody praise him right now. Hallelujah. Amen. If I could just have a little bit more monitor, brethren. Thank you so much. Amen. As one man pointed out, that the more you know the answer, the less that you need to know anything else. The more that you know him, the less that you are so consumed with having to know everything else. Part of our humanity is to want to know everything we can. And there's nothing wrong with asking questions. And there's nothing wrong with wanting answers. And how many know that God does give answers? And we don't have to live in perpetual ignorance or perpetual darkness. But everybody in this place, if you've been a Christian for five minutes or, or, or five years, you can probably lift your hand and testify that there are some seasons where you did not have all the information that you would have liked to have. You did, not, you did not have the every, every T crossed and every I dotted in that trial that you're going through. You did not know through all seasons of your life why this happened, why that happened, why so-and-so did this or so-and-so did that, why there was just zeros in your bank account. There was a lot of times where you did not know. And I hate to tell you, but there may be some more times in your life before this is all over when there are seasons of, of times where you just may not know everything that you want to know. And I have seen and you have probably seen people get so derailed over this. People, because they don't know everything the way they want to know or even if they don't figure everything out in that time frame that they want to have things figured out in. That they will get mad at God. That they will get upset at God. Or rather maybe they will just stay on their pew and say, okay, God's not with me. God's not talking. I'll come just to please the masses, but I'm not really going to be all that involved anymore. I'm not really going to surrender my life that much to God anymore. God's not talking. I don't know the answers. And I'm just not going to move and I'm just not going to operate. I'm just not going to step out in faith until I know all that I want to know in the exact time frame that I want to know it. And God looks at us in love and in patience and says, there are some things, my son, and some things, my daughter, that it is actually not for you to know, at least not at this time, perhaps not ever in the exact way that you want to do, the exact way that you would like to know it. He said to them in Acts 1 that we just read in our text a moment ago, he said, it is not for you to know, but Jesus is so good and so loving he does not leave us in the dark, and he does not leave us with anything or any direction what to do after that. Because then, as his statement continues, he basically said this, it is not for you to know, but 
it is for you to receive power. He said, disciples, in this instant, you are not going to receive information, but you will receive power. And I've just come to remind somebody tonight, you may feel like the disciples that asked him, Jesus, when is this season going to end? Is, is this the season where you're going to come down and make everything perfect in my life? Is this the season where that trial I've been dealing with for so long is, is, is going to change? Is this the season where everything is going to be made perfect? Is this? And sometimes we don't get the exact answer we want to hear. And Jesus looks and says, hey, it's not for you to know the seasons. I control the seasons. I control the fall and the winter. I control the sun and the moon and harvest time. All of that is up to me. You've got to trust me. But you know what it is for you to have? It is for you to receive power. You may not receive information, but if you trust me, you will receive power. You will be able to go forth and do great exploits. Even in the middle of this trial, even in the middle of this season of sickness or heartache or pain or loneliness, it may not be for you to know everything, but it is for you to go forth. You may not know, but it is for you to go. It may not be for you to know, but it is for you to grow. You can change. You can do great things for God. You can experience wonderful miracles even in the midst of your trial hallelujah just because you don't know doesn't mean you can't grow just because you don't know doesn't mean you can't go and be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what Jesus said. After they received his spirit, they would have the power to become witnesses. Again, just because you don't know doesn't mean you can't go into the world and be a light. Some of you are waiting until all the ducks are in a row. Some of you are waiting until everything is perfect. Some of you are waiting until you have your hands on everything and can understand everything before you step out in faith and do what God is calling you to do. But God says, why don't you just trust me with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge me and I will direct your path. You may not understand it all, but don't wait until everything's perfect before you step out in faith, before you witness, before you pray for people, before you start that new ministry, before you step into that new dimension of anointing. Don't wait until you have everything figured out. Trust me. Move with me. Flow with with me. Oh, somebody praise him right now. Somebody praise him. Come on, come on. Don't wait until you know all the details about what's going to happen with a new building or a new property or how all these pews are going to get filled. I'm not going to sit around until somebody gives me a spreadsheet with all the details of how God's going to do it. I'm going to step out and I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to step out in faith like my pastor steps out in faith. I don't know how that section is going to get filled, but my God, I'm going to do everything I can to see it filled. And I don't know how this is going to be paid for. I don't know how that's going to happen, but I know God is in control and I'm not going to sit around and wait or live in fear until it happens hallelujah amen but God I'm hurt. I'm going through this, and I've never been given an answer as to why I was hurt. And I've never been given an answer as to why someone did that to me five years ago or ten years ago. And you have allowed that situation and that trial to rob you of your witness and to rob you of your example because you've been sitting around holding on that one thing, just waiting until you get an answer before you step out and do anything for God. And God says, listen, you got to trust me. God holds all the answers in his hand. He knows everything, the end from the beginning. But 
he says, listen, whether you get it exactly the way you want or not, I'm still calling you to do great things for me. I still have a plan for you. I still have a purpose for you. I still want to use you. I still want you to be a witness. I still want you to witness to your coworkers. I still want you to witness to your college classmates. I still want you to be a witness. I still want you to go. I still will let you grow in me even in the midst of your trial of questions. Amen. Mark 4 and 27. I'm going to paraphrase, but it says, And he, Jesus, said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, but he knows not how. The, father, the farmer, excuse me, doesn't understand how the process works. Yet he keeps sowing, and he keeps working, and God does the rest. There's a part in Scripture where, where God says, do you know how bones grow in the womb of the child? Excuse me, in the womb of a mother. Do you know how a child's bones grow in the womb of his or her mother? And, of course, the answer is none of us know how that's possible. None of us know how that happens, and yet it keeps happening, and yet children are still being born every day. There may be some things that we know not how, how it's going to take place and how it works, but just because you don't know doesn't mean that you can't sow. Just because you don't know doesn't mean you can't be like this farmer and say, hey, I don't know how it's going to play out, but he's the Lord of the harvest. He says that the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few, so I'm going to go out and be a laborer. I'm going to go out and sow. I'm going to go out and pass this out. I'm going to go out and talk to this person. That one guy at my work I've been too afraid to get close to because he looks scary. I'm going to go talk to him. I'm going to sow even though I don't know how. It's all going to play out. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 What, 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 what would we, the, the people that we appreciate the most in Pentecost and the churches and the movements that we appreciate the most in Pentecost would have never come about and would have never taken place if every leader involved would have sat wringing their hands just saying, well, I'm just waiting for every I to be dotted and every T to be crossed before we can step forward in faith on this new program or this new project or this new venture. Amen. It takes and took men and women of faith all throughout the decades to say, God, you are in charge of how this is going to play out. You are going to be the one to take care of my family, even though right now I just do not know how it's all going to play out. You are going to be the one to grow this church. You are going to be the one to help me start this ministry that I've always had a dream about and I've always wanted to start, but I've been too afraid to do. And I've just been too racked up in my own problems and I've had this. It seems like life's been punching on me left and right. And so I've never gone and fulfilled the dreams that God has had for me. And God's saying, why don't you step out now? And why don't you begin testing me? Taste and see that I'm good. Taste and see that I'm able. Why don't you step out on those dreams that God gave you years ago and watch them come to fruition? If they are of God, then no man will be able to stop it. If they are of God, then no man will be able to tear that dream down. No matter how much problems you've got, no matter how much things you're facing, fulfill and step out to fulfill the dreams that God has put in your heart. Hallelujah. Jacob wrestled with God or an angel, a manifestation of God, a messenger, whatever your view on that is. He wrestled with God in Genesis chapter 32. 
And for those of you that don't know the story, Jacob was in a dire situation. He was in the middle of a trial, and he was running from his brother who was out to get his life. And now he was left alone by a stream, and he was there by himself, separate from everybody else. And he was basically attacked, amen. He was, he was someone or something came upon him in the middle of the night, and it was a messenger from God. It was a manifestation of God. And and they were wrestling, and the Bible says that Jacob would not let go of God, and they were going back and forth, and Jacob would not let God go unless he blessed Jacob, and, and so they're in this famous wrestling match that we've heard so much about, and what's amazing is that this, this, uh, this angel asked Jacob, he said, he said, what is your name, and, and, uh, and, and, and Jacob, of course, said, my name is Jacob, and, and Jacob, the Bible says, asked the manifestation of God, asked the angel a question, what is your name, but Jacob never got an answer. Jacob answered and said his name, but the angel of God never answered. Do you see that Jacob, in the middle of his struggling, in the middle of his questioning, he asked questions that were never answered. But just because the question was not answered does not mean that Jacob should have let go. Jacob did not even know what was going on. He did not even know the name of who he was wrestling with, yet he held on for dear life. And he left that place marked by God with a new name and a new identity. Here's what I've come to preach to somebody. Jacob did not get the information he wanted, but but he got the new identity that he needed. And God might alter you before he answers you. And that's okay because transformation is always greater than information. Transformation from God is always better than any information that you and I could receive. And I don't want to let my desire and my demands for information keep me from receiving the transformation of God. God was going to alter you maybe before he answers you. And that it's okay. You gotta trust him. He knows what he's doing. Oh, somebody praise him right now. Come on, somebody praise him. Come on, I'm not, I'm not promoting living in ignorance, and I'm not promoting never taking our petitions to God. And, and we know the Bible says, asking you shall receive, and knocking it while she out shall be opened, and seeking you shall find. And all of those things are true, but there are times and seasons where those answers do not come, if we're all being honest, in the package that we'd like them to. Or maybe God has us wait because it's not the right season for him to pour out those answers. And maybe six months goes by, and a year goes by, two years go by, and we don't get the exact information we want. That does not mean that we cannot be used, that we cannot be transformed, and that we cannot do great things for God. What does the song say? Even when we do not see it, he's working, he's working, he's working. Amen. Just because you're in a season right now where you're lacking some answers and you're lacking information does not mean that God won't pour out transformation. In the middle of your trial... In the middle of your questioning, in the middle of your wondering, God, when is this going to change? When is this going to end? God's got you in a perfect place where he can work on you, where he can mold you, where he can help you grow. He cannot control what everyone else does. But if you let him, he can work on you. He cannot, sometimes life is just hard the way it is. But what he can do if we let him is he'll change our perspective about the things going on around us. Sometimes our circumstances don't always change immediately, but our perspectives can. 
and we can get a new view and a new lease on life and understand I am in the palm of God's hands. And as it says in Proverbs 3, I'm going to trust in the Lord with all of my heart and lean not on my own understanding. I'm going to acknowledge him in all of my ways and he will direct my path. Amen. He will give me that godly spouse that I've been praying for. He will give me the godly husband that I've been praying for. He will, come on somebody, I know you got to believe this with me tonight. He's going to give me that godly wife that I've been looking for. He's going to give me that, that need that I have been craving and he knows that I truly need. He is going to provide for everything that I need. He is going to take care of me even though I don't understand everything going on right now. Amen. God will take care of me. I'm his kid. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to acknowledge him in everything. Why do you think the Bible talks about one of my favorite verses is the peace that passes understanding. The peace that arrives before the answers do. The peace that goes before information. If you have two cars on a freeway and one of them is called peace and the other one is called understanding or information. Amen. The Bible says that we can receive a peace from God that will pass understanding, that will pass information and will arrive to us and get to its destination before the understanding does. That way we don't have to live in in horrible confusion and horrible pain, but instead we can say, I have the peace of God. I remember that moment when the peace of God blanketed me and all of a sudden I didn't have to know everything quite so bad. Instead, I just received that peace and said, you know what? I know that it's all going to work out somehow. I know that my God is in control. The peace that passes understanding, the peace that is greater than any little bit of information that we could ever receive. I want the peace of God. Amen. I would rather have the peace of God without some understanding than to have understanding without the peace of God. The peace is greater. Do you see it? He is the greater answer than any earthly answer we're trying to figure out. The peace that passes understanding. The peace that is there when answers are not, when I feel like I'm going to lose my mind, and when I feel like I'm going to lose my sanity because I don't, I feel like I don't know where to go next, amen, that peace can come into the room. He can order my steps and guide my feet and be a lamp to my feet and my path and show me where I need to go and what I need to do. Amen. Right in the middle of your trial, right in the middle of your questions, God can still transform you and do incredible miracles through you and in you. Amen. Why don't the musicians come? Don't be discouraged that you don't know. I've got a just simple meat and potatoes message for somebody. Don't be discouraged that you don't know. Be encouraged that God is working on you and will do incredible things in you, even in the middle of this process. I don't know about you, I know I'm young, but I'm sure some of the older saints could testify that if you waited until everything was gravy and until everything was going perfect before you begin to have faith, then you'd be waiting your entire life. Because whether we like it or not, the life we live in, we're born into a world of sin. And there's some great times and then there's some bad times. There's some hills and then there's some valleys. And we've got to trust and know that God is with us through 
through every hill and with us through every valley. Whether we see his hand always or not, whether we understand everything or not, I am going to step out in faith. I'm going to begin serving others. I'm going to begin loving others. Even when I'm confused myself, I'm not going to let depression overtake me. I'm not going to just live in a spirit of sorrow or depression, but instead I'm going to get out. I'm going to begin loving others. I don't have to know all the answers to, 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 to go and love somebody. I don't have to know all the answers to go and give peace to somebody. I don't have to know all the answers to start praising God and worshiping Him. I don't know have, have to know all the answers to help pray somebody through to the Holy Ghost at the altar. I don't have to know all the answers to tell somebody about baptism in Jesus' name. I don't have to know all the answers before I love my family. I don't have to know all the answers. I just have to trust in the Lord. You see, Job, Job asked God lots of questions, didn't he? Countless questions. And you know what Job got in return? Questions. God did not give Job an explanation or a justification for all that happened to Job. We can look back on the story and receive strength and wisdom from it. But Job did not get that explanation or justification for all that took place. But you know what happened? God simply pointed Job's eyes upward and reminded Job that God was in control. Not Job, not his friends, not the situation around him, not the whirlwind, not the sickness. None of that was in control. God reminded Job, I am in control. And I am all-powerful. And I am sovereign. Job, do you know who made the great beasts of the deep and the live in the ocean? Do, do you know how bones grow in the womb? Do you, do you know about the storms and the winds and how I made the earth? Job, do you have any idea how big and how powerful I am? So Job did not get information. But you know what he did get? He got transformation. Because the Bible says that at the end of the book, after all that Job had gone through, he said, before all of this, I heard you with the hearing of the ear. But now that I've gone through all of this, now I've had this encounter with you, now I see you with my eyes. Now I truly know you and know who you are. And I have peace and comfort from that. He did not get specificity, but he left in awe, comforted by God's power. And by God's wisdom. It's kind of like this. You know, if, if I were to be in a room somewhat dark and I light a candle, that candle is going to seem pretty profound. That's the only light in the room. Pretend that candle is my question. But if I were to all of a sudden, all the windows in the room shoot open and the sun fill that room, you wouldn't even notice the light of my candle anymore. Because there was a greater light that just entered the room. And just as the light of a candle is lost in the greater light of the sun, so sometimes our questions and our desire for answers is lost in the greater light of a bigger answer who knows the end from the beginning and knows everything that we need, who knows the number of hairs on our head, who knows exactly what we need to take care of each and every situation. He's bigger and he's greater. Why do you think he said, look to the hills from where your help comes from? He said, take your eyes and look up. But the problem is some of us have a hard time looking at where our help comes from because we're too busy looking at where our hurt comes from. 
It's hard to look up and take our eyes and focus on Jesus where that help comes from, where all we can look at and focus on is that spot where our hurt comes from. That time or place where someone may have said something about us or did something to us or, or that one year that was just the worst year of all years or that one year where all my finances fell apart or, or something more recently where something happened and now I'm dealing with the baggage of it and all I can think about is the hurts and it's understandable, it's human, but all I can focus on is that bruise. All I can focus on is the scar and the blood, but Jesus is saying, listen, that's not where the story ends. That's not where this is going to be over. I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I get the final say. Do your best to take your eyes off that hurt and lift them and focus them on where your help comes from. I will take care of you even in the midst of this hell. There's someone right over here in this section that God has been speaking to this sermon. And, and, and you've been feeling right now in this moment... After what I just said, you just felt you just felt more of God's presence, a confirmation that he's talking to you. I know God's talking to more than just one person, but whoever this person is in this section right here, I want you to know without a shadow of a doubt that God is speaking to you through this preacher tonight. And you can stand on this word. You can hold it close to your chest. You can receive it as comfort and know that God is with you and God is for you and he has not left you or forsaken you. Whoever you are, stand on this word. Trust in the word of the Lord. He is with you. He has not left you. He's going to turn beauty out of ashes. He's going to make a beautiful situation out of a horrible wreck. That's what God does. That's what he specializes in. Amen. I'm coming to a close. I, I prayed for something for seven years before it ever came to pass. And I know I'm not the only one in this room that <laughs> prayed for some things for a long time. I've prayed for things, and I've seen them happen instantly. How many have seen God do instant miracles? Amen. And there are other things I've prayed for. And because God knows best, and because like Abraham Lincoln said, the Almighty has his own purposes, I had to wait seven years. And if I would have waited the entire time with bitterness, with anger, with God, you better talk to me. You better give me what I think I need and what I want before I do anything for you. Then I would not be standing here before you holding this microphone doing anything for the Lord. Instead, I would be bitter, if not backslid, maybe sitting in a back pew, just going through the motions, going to church to please other people, not because I really want to. But instead, by the grace of God, not because I'm special, but by his grace and by his mercy, God worked on this kid. God worked on me and said, you need to release this to me. And you need to let this go to, to me, even before you get all the answers and understanding about it. I was so confused, Pastor Mayo. I was praying about this. I said, God, you, you can make this clear. Help me to see things as they are, not as they seem. And I was praying good prayers. And there was nothing wrong with what I was praying. But I wasn't getting all the answers in front of me as I wanted. And I was this close to take out my magnifying glass and start playing detective and going through and trying to figure everything out on my own and spending years of my life wasted on trying to figure out other people's problems. But instead, God spoke to me and dealt with me in prayer, and he said, you let me deal with it. You let me take care of it. Don't you worry about it. You can still live your life and do great things even if you don't have all the answers. You just got to release it to me, and then you won't be so worried about it so much. 
And so I released it. You know what I did? I made the decision to forgive. Even before the answer came out, even before I knew whether or not I would have to forgive or who I would need to forgive, I made the decision, no matter what information comes out of this situation, whenever it comes out, I'm going to choose right now to forgive. So-and-so, this person, that person, whoever needs to be forgiven, I choose right now to forgive them. Even though they've never asked me for it, and even though I don't know what's going on, I forgive them now. I release it to you, Lord. And over a few days and weeks in prayer, weeping and, and crying, I lifted it to the Lord. And the Lord began elevating me into a new dimension, and I began taking off into full-time ministry. Seven years from when I first started praying that, it was in the beginning of a year. And it was the strangest thing. I prayed like I always prayed. In that, whole, in that whole time frame, just about every time I prayed, I would pray this prayer. God, help me to see things as they are, not as they seem. Help me to see the truth of this situation whenever you decide that I'm ready for it. Whenever you think, God, that I can handle it, I'm, I want to receive it. I trust in your timing. I think it was Brother Prado that told me one time, you know, sometimes we like to get so far ahead of God. And we forget that we are supposed to follow him and not try to lead him. And so we need to pray, God, help me to never get ahead of you. I don't want to reach a place and arrive there before you get there. I want to stay behind you and let you go first. And if you think I'm not ready for something, if you think I can't handle something, don't let me go until I'm ready for it. And so I prayed that prayer in, in January of a certain year, seven years after, people started coming out of the woodwork. And they said, Brother Claiborne, I think you need to know this. Brother Claiborne, I think I should tell you this. Brother Claiborne, here's some information. I don't know why I haven't told you yet, but I feel like you need to know this. And all of a sudden, in one month's time, so many pieces of the puzzle that I wrestled with for seven years and wondered about for seven years all came together. And I finally had my answer. But since I waited by the grace of God and since I surrendered it to him by the grace of God, it didn't knock me off my feet. It didn't send me into a bitter rebellion. It didn't overwhelm me. Instead, tears came over my face. And I realized that by his grace and mercy, and because he had given me the strength to trust him, I had already done the forgiving work years ago. And I was able to just lift it right back to God and say, thank you, God. Now I know. Thank you for that extra little nugget, that little bit of peace. I appreciate you letting me know. But God had already given me the peace before the understanding ever came. That's the peace that passes all understanding. God can give you peace and help you to release and help you to extend forgiveness and receive forgiveness. Even before all the answers you want ever come to pass. Amen. And God made beauty for ashes, and I'm here living in peace, living in strength, living in redemption, living, living, living by God's power and by God's grace. Amen. And he worked it all together for good. What the enemy has meant for evil and what the enemy has meant to derail you, God has intended it for good. So I'm concluding. I know this is a little different tonight, but you know what? Just come to tell somebody, keep loving people, even in the middle of your trial. You will be transformed if you do. You will be transformed if you keep loving people, even in the middle of your loveless trial. And the lives that you touch will be transformed as well. And you can look back and say, thank God I didn't waste that trial. Thank God in the middle of that, he touched me and used me to touch others.
And I can look back and people's lives were made better by me and by my faith and by my hand, even though I was going through some personal hell. I've not come to diminish the problems you're facing. I've just come to magnify the God that you're serving. He's bigger, folks. He's greater than anything you and I could ever face, than any question you and I could ever pose. Jesus Christ is so much bigger and so much greater. And I'm concluding with this. 1 Corinthians 13 and 12 says, I paraphrase, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. There will come a day in heaven somewhere, someday, where we will know as we are known, where we will probably know all the answers and we can sit at Jesus' feet and ask him every theological question, every personal question we've ever wanted to ask him. But right now, in this season on earth, when we do not know, we have to be satisfied with the fact that at least we are fully known. We may not know everything, but we serve a God that fully knows us. And still loves us, still uses us, still cares for us. He knows the weird thoughts that you think. He knows the sins of your past. He knows the insecurities of, that you have. He knows you more than you know yourself. And yet he loves you more than anybody else on earth. We can be satisfied and take strength and take confidence and say, God, I may not know right now, but I'm thankful I serve a God who fully knows me and loves me anyway. may not be for me to know right now, but it is God's will for me to receive power, and, and I can be thankful with the fact that I'm fully known by Him, and I can still go forth, and I can still grow in wisdom and stature. Come on, what did Paul say? Out of all the things that I know, there's one thing that I want to know the most. There's one thing I focus on the most. What did he say? To know Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul, who had the equivalent of multiple PhDs, said, I count all that as dung, and there's one thing that I want to know and that I will focus on, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I've just come to preach to somebody tonight that in the middle of your lack of knowledge, in the middle of your lack of information, there's still one thing that you can get to know, and that is Jesus Christ. There's still one thing you can hang your hat on and put your eyes on and put your focus on, and that is Jesus Christ. And you can say, in this trial, I'm going to focus on knowing him more than I know any other bit of information. I'm going to focus on getting to know him more before I focus on anything or anyone else. Come on, folks. I'm done preaching here, but I'm just letting you know tonight that you can still receive strength and still receive power and still know the King of kings and Lord of lords like you've never known him before. Focus on that. Take your eyes and look up to the hills and know where your help comes from. Somebody put your hands together for Jesus right now. Come on, why don't we stand all over this house? Oh, hallelujah. Hey, man, I'll conclude with this. I meant to conclude sooner. But perhaps I need to say this one more thing. Amen. And then we're going to pray. Again, I know this is somewhat unique tonight. But, you know, we were here last year, my wife and I. And, and um, you know, we had been going through some trials in 2019. Thank God 2020 has been better so far than 2019. We had gone through some trials. My wife had one of her best friends. 
26 years old, die in a car accident. Tragically, one this Pentecostal girl, wonderful girl, passed away like that. Family members had an uncle pass away way too young from cancer. And other family members, their health issues plummeting and dementia onsetting and all kinds of questions and answers. And then my wife's health gets hit. Diagnosis after diagnosis, she at one point has six or seven different things wrong with her. I tell you what, this preacher will be very transparent with you. We were living in fear because of what we did not know. You know, sometimes confusion is worse than pain. You know, it's one thing if you've got a bruise on your arm and you know it's there because someone hit you a few seconds ago, you can handle that pain. But if a bruise suddenly appears on your arm and you have no idea why, it's a little bit harder to deal with. And then you get wet on WebMD and get on Google and start Googling your symptoms and then you really freak yourself out. And then the confusion settles in, doesn't it? And then you're in a mess way worse off than when you started. So there's confusion is worse than the bruise. And we were living in a spirit of confusion and in a spirit of fear. Yes, as an apostolic evangelist, I'm still traveling, I'm still preaching, God's still working, and I felt like I was going to fall apart because of the fear that was enveloping us. We thought, what's going to happen next? Who's going to fall over sick or dead next? But I'll tell you what happened through a series of things. Because by the grace of God, we placed our trust and faith in Him. And we kept on stepping and kept plunging through it like so many of you have done and are doing right now in the middle of your situation. Amen. God gave these little, these nuggets and these things of comfort and, and used other people across the country who had no idea what was going on to send texts to us and let us know that you're in a fight for your life and you're in a spiritual battle. And we took that and we didn't have all the information and we didn't know why it was going on, but we took that text uh, from, that, from that preacher and we held it to our chest and that got us through the next few months. And then I'll tell you what happened near the end of the year. We came here to Spokane and I know I'm taking a little long tonight. Amen. But I want you to know this. I want you to know what happened here. Your pastor, while we were sitting over at dinner one night he looked at my wife he said I felt in the Holy Ghost to pray for you and to pray for your sickness and to pray for your situation and I believe God is going to heal you my wife and I, and I said absolutely I'm so glad you felt that we'll take all the prayer we can get so the next Sunday as you remember we stood right up here and your pastor prayed over us and the spirit of God swept into this room like I can't even explain we felt my wife and I felt the presence of God standing right there like we had not felt probably all year a powerful touch of God that we had been longing for and your pastor began prophesying some things over us that he had no idea he began speaking about other fears that were connected with the sickness that he did not know about but he began prophesying prophesying to us and God used that to confirm that God of course really was in that prayer that day and I tell you what happened amen immediately after that uh, a few days after that unfortunately my wife still had a little bit it seemed like she still had some health issues and it seemed like it was still there. Amen. But I tell you what happened in that moment. We had a spirit of fear that was trying to arrest our minds almost all year. And in that one moment, as we were praying up here, and as you stretched your hands toward us, I'm telling you, the spirit of fear lifted. And the spirit of fear broke. And we went on to the next revivals, and we preached like we never preached. And we went on to the next situation, and we preached like we never preached. We were able to get good sleep for the first night in months. We were able to be in peace for the first night 
right for the first time all year because listen, our circumstances may have not changed right away, but you know what did change? Our perspective changed. There were still some problems. There were still some things that we didn't understand, but we were able to step forward and move forward in faith because God's peace had overwhelmed us and he had rebuked the spirit of fear and we were able to move forward in faith and in confidence and you cannot put a price on that. You cannot pay anybody for that kind of experience. Our lives were transformed in that moment. You say, why do you share all that? Because we didn't get all the information and we didn't get all the answers. And at this point, we still don't know why everything that happened in 2019 happened. But you know what? We don't need to know all that because we know the God of the storm and we know the God that holds tomorrow. And he's already proven us that he's with us, that he's gotten us through that attack. And we've seen incredible miracles since that day. And I'm happy to tell you as well, by the way, just so you know that your prayers work, my wife's health is better than it has ever been since we've been married. Amen. Many of the symptoms that she's had have completely gone away. I'm just here to tell you, I don't have all the information. I don't have all the answers, but Jesus does. It may not be for us to know, but it is for us to receive power. It is for us to go. It is for us to grow. It is for us to be transformed. Oh, I'm done preaching. Let's lift our hands right now and pray. Come on, come on, come on. I feel a spirit of victory beginning to come over us right now that was not here even at the beginning of this message. Come on. Somebody is beginning to lift their eyes to the hills. Somebody is beginning to receive strength and beginning to receive faith. Come on. Come on, don't let the lack of information deter you from the God of heaven who holds all the answers in his hand. Come on, that's it. Singers are going to sing in just a moment. But come on. Let's pray right now. These altars are open. Amen. You can pray wherever you're comfortable praying. But let's pray in faith right now. Come on. Come on. You may not have all the information, but you can have transformation tonight. Hallelujah. Oh, that's it. That's it. Let him love on you. Come on. God's already moving on us. God's already been speaking to us. That's it. Trust you, Jesus. Just to Come on, he knows. His this is not where the story ends. Come on, he gets the final say. Let him transform you. Let him love on you. Let him help you. Let him strengthen you. Oh, yes. to where your help comes from. Take your eyes off where your hurt comes from and begin focusing on where your help comes from. Come on, that's it. That's it, young lady. That's it, young man. Come on, that's it, family. That's it, saint of God. Come on, lift it to him. Lift that trial to him, that trial that's been stunting you, that trial that's been holding you back, that trial that's been keeping you in a spirit of fear. Come on, God wants to break a spirit of fear that's been over somebody's back tonight. Come on. Let him deliver you from that. Let him set you free. You can walk forward in confidence. Even if you don't know all the answers, he's with you.
trust him. I trust you. Jesus, you're in charge. 